Hi, everyone. I'm Katie with the We Shape podcast. I'm here with Tyler today. Hi, and Nina is zooming in. Hi, Nina. Can you hear us? Um, yep. Nina's keeping us safe. She had a COVID exposure. Luckily, she's not sick, but we like to play it safe around here when possible. So uh, I'm so grateful for the team. We made this all come together via Zoom today. We've kind of, this is the first time we've tried it this way. Um, with multiple people on Zoom. Uh, we have a special guest today. I'm very excited about this guest. Nina found this guest on social media. I then started following her. Her content is incredible. It's extremely aligned with our mission here at We Shape. So I want to jump right in because I don't want to waste any time and I have so many questions for Dr. Folden. So let's start with Nina reading Dr. Folden's bio and then we'll introduce her and go straight in. All right. Let's do it. All right. So we have the pleasure of having Dr. Lisa N. Folden with us today. She is a North Carolina licensed physical therapist, NASM certified behavior change specialist, health coach, and an owner of Healthy Fit Physical Therapy and Wellness Consultants in Charlotte, North Carolina. As a body positive women's health expert and health at every size ambassador, Dr. Folden assists women seeking healthier lifestyles. Her weight neutral approach encourages intuitive eating, body acceptance, and breaking up with toxic diet culture. Dr. Lisa is a mom of three, published author and speaker who understands the challenges of navigating diet culture while seeking optimal health. Her goal is to see as many people as possible do all the things they'd be doing if they weren't worried about their weight. A regular contributor to articles on topics related to physical therapy, health, wellness, self-care, motherhood, body image, and fat-friendly healthcare, Dr. Folden has had the distinct honor of being featured in Oprah Magazine, Shape Magazine, Livestrong, Bustle, and several other publications. Additionally, she is a member of the National Association of Black Physical Therapists, the Association of Size and Diversity and Health, the No Women at Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Woohoo! That is a wonderful <laughs> bio. All right. I got chills on that bio. Welcome, Dr. Folden. We are so happy to have you. Thank you all so much. I'm so excited to be here. I feel we're like gonna have fun today. <laughs> we're going to have fun. Um, we are. What's so amazing is that right when Nina told me about you, I was like, complete alignment. The work that she's doing is incredible. We need to have an in-depth discussion because my one of my goals with the podcast is to give our community multiple perspectives, right? It's like there's this idea as we grow and evolve, and I love your comment on breakup with the toxic diet culture. That's good. We have to hear things in different ways from different people before it clicks. So like yeah. Nina can hear something and Tyler can hear something and it can be all the same thing, but it might have to, and I can hear something, but it might have to come from a different person in a different way. So as many mm -hmm. people as I can bring on the podcast that share a mission and share alignment that can talk about these same topics, I know it's positively impacting people in our community. So um, I yes. think I'm going to start with, I just love the line, like I just said about like empowering mm -hmm. people to break up with toxic diet culture. So maybe we'll start there. When I bring up like, yeah. oh, we shape is trying to break toxic weight loss culture. It's not something I can really explain in one minute. It's so no. <laughs> layered. So I don't know yeah. where you want to start with it, but anywhere you want to go with that, I'm here for it. Absolutely. So yeah, diet culture is so nuanced. It's like really pervasive, super sneaky. So as much as I like encourage people to break up with it, 
I literally feel like it's that toxic ex that like keeps calling back. And then sometimes you answer and you're like, oh, he's probably fine. And, and he's not. That's literally I go through that over and over yeah. and over again. So the process of breaking up with diet culture is not like a one day thing. It's not like we shut the door and it's gone. And it's because it's in it's like a part of everything in our life. It's in our healthcare systems. It's in our relationships with our friends, our relationship with our partners, um, in the schools with the kids. I, I recently did a talk to an all girls school in Washington, DC to sort of educate them on a more weight neutral approach, um, as they engage with, with children, because sometimes people feel very inclined to say toxic things to kids that they think are promoting good health, but really it's more so promoting diet culture and disordered eating and other mm. things. So it's so pervasive and it's so sneaky and it's so hard to tackle that. Yes, you need the reminders all the time. Like I teach this stuff, but I'm still inundated with the information. My social media is curated. I'm taking classes and courses and learning because it, there's always another avenue and entry point for diet culture. So it, it's really, and it's a system and it's, 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 wrapped with all the other isms, right? So it's all the patriarchy in there. It's all the racism in there. It's all the capitalism in there. So this isn't like a, a one day, like, oh, good diet culture. I read about it. It's it's trash. I'm done with it forever. Like you'll be doing this for a while. <laughs> I have so, this yeah. analogy in my mind of for years, I'm riding in a car, the toxic diet culture car, and I'm in the passenger seat, right? I'm unconscious to it. And the more yeah. I learn, I get to kind of test out what it feels like to be in the driver's seat of my own decisions in that relationship. Mm -hmm. So I like to think of it as like, I'm going back and forth from like learning how to drive the car to like, Oh, I'm unconscious in the driver's seat, taking a nap. Right. It right. takes time. Right. <laughs> and I, I told someone it earlier does. today, even I was kind of waiting around for, for myself to feel like I have gotten over it in order to feel like I could talk about it and have this company. And I was like, we're going to be waiting a long time if that happens. Mm -hmm, so I'm just going to, mm -hmm. you know, acknowledge my self-doubt and keep going. Um, but mm -hmm. I do think, and here's the thing about toxic diet culture, is I don't think anyone escapes it. Um, I think that yeah. even people who fit the uh, expectation or the the mold or the ideal still struggle with things themselves. So that has 100%. been my experience is that it's not this. I don't feel like anybody really gets out of it. It's 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 we're just mm -hmm. inundated. So yes. um, I, I I'm going to appreciate this conversation because the more we can talk about how we are inundated, the more awareness we can have. And it gives us mm -hmm. more opportunity to be in that driver's seat. But I got to be honest, though, I, I like um, I like her analogy about the bad boyfriend better than the driver. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. It seems more. That was good. It's, it's okay. a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. So, like, where that. do you even start with that? I mean, if you have someone who's and they're like, what do you mean? I, I, I don't know even about this system. Like, where do you even start, mm -hmm. Dr. Fulden? Oh, so for each person, it's a little different. You know, I, I coach people through this. I've been doing some group work, but a lot of my work is individual one one. And I find that it's a little different with everyone. Uh, so the best place to start is like your own specific experiences. So I like to get people talking about like their history with their bodies and weight and diet. And really we can start, that's kind of for them where, where it all blooms. So for most of us, sadly, it's in childhood. My example was, I think around the age of 11 or 12, I'm sorry, I have an alarm clock that keeps going off for whatever reason. No <laughs> um, <laughs> my example was uh, I was trying 
very hard as an 11 year old to rationalize my body type because I was seeing something very different on magazines and television screens. And I knew that I didn't match up to that. So as a child, I, I understood that my body was wrong or different or needed to be changed for some reason. Um, and a, a lot of people have a similar story. for some people. It's something that their parents said to them, um, that spurred them to like, thinking, oh, I should lose weight. For some people, uh, it's a parent who put them on a diet as a child. Mm. Um, so it really, it, the best way to start to, to unlearn and to break down is to start, is to figure out where you first um, became a part of that culture. <laughs> and yeah. again, for most people, that's childhood. So we start there. We talk through what it looked like in your household or in your life or your home uh, to experience this, this understanding of your body and your relationship to it, where did the, the, because when babies are little, right, they're all like roly poly little chubby things. And we just want to chew their faces. And it's like, they're celebrated for being like little chunky butts, right? Like that's, everybody loves a little chunky baby, right? At some point in your life that, that flip just switches. And now it's like, Fitness, that is the goal. You should not be fat, you know? So if we can go back to that place and start to see where a lot of that negative influence came from, we can start to unlearn it and break it down. And there's a lot of reading. For me, it was reading uh, Health at Every Size, the book by Dr. Lindo Bacon. And then it was Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings and uh, Body of Truth. I mean, it just kept going on. So there's a lot of learning, but then mostly unlearning. So with my clients, I started where they first started feeling like there was something wrong with their bodies or in the case, like you mentioned earlier, even people who maybe fit the perception or the mold of like health or fit, you know, fit or beauty. Um, we start to talk about where there became a concern because even the people who look like they are stereotypically fit, are impacted by diet culture because the goal is to like never let yourself go <laughs> and never get fat or never look a certain way. So there's a level of um, uh, disorder and concern in that population of people too, because we live in the same world that's, you know, inundated by diet culture. So, so we start there and we kind of work our way out and there's a lot of back and forth, right? <laughs> because Absolutely. it's hard to unlearn the things we've been doing our entire lives. I used to say, um, I don't argue as much on the internet because I don't have a lot of time, but there are days where I do have time. (laughs) 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 I got time today, right? So there are times where I will have these debates with people, but people are so passionate about and protective of their diet culture and their relationship with diet culture without even knowing it. Because when you disrupt that, it makes you have to stop and look at your life. Like, wait a minute, I've been doing this for 30 years and you're telling me <laughs> this is yeah. healthy. What are you talking about? So there, you know, there's a level of, a you know, give and take and a little bit of pushback that you get, you know, with this topic. But that that's usually where we start and, and where we go from there. I and never I thought about it. Oh no, go ahead, Nina. Go ahead, Nina. I just said there's a really disturbing connection between diet culture and this like morality factor. Like oh, if yes. you are 
you know, reaching for thinness or whatever, like your health is in question and you're not a, maybe like you're a lazy person or all these really sad things that are connected to their morality. And like, that's not what my morality is connected to. I'm a good person. (laughs) Like, and keeps it kind of moving. Again, you said it's created, it touches multiple systems and morality is really, it's just disturbing. It is. It is. And, and, and as a therapist who works with people who have like varying levels of ability, it's really important that people know, like, your health, what you can and can't do does not like, like determine your worth or your value as a person or whether you're good or bad. Like that's, it is, it's, it's very annoying that those things are like pulled together in that way. What I find super interesting is when you were mentioning how people would, uh, they want to protect their diet culture because my <laughs> experience when I started unraveling, um, when I stopped answering the call from the ex-boyfriend was that well, I still answer sometimes, but, um, was that, was that no judgment? I was like, Oh my God, thank God. I don't have to do this anymore. This was consuming my thoughts, but I'll tell you the part where I did have a harder time. And I wonder if this is why people get protective of it. I don't know. I'm just curious because when you have to accept that you were holding that standard and participating in that cycle, you also have to accept that you were projecting that expectation on other people and that can feel shameful. And so you have to be able to say, I participated in that. I projected that message on others because I was holding myself to that standard. And part of the acceptance and unwinding comes with sitting in that icky shame that comes with it. Mm, I'm so glad you said that. Oh, and that is a dagger to the heart for me because I have, I did a, a little short series on my Instagram where I apologized. It was, it was an apology, a thread. And the first apology was to, um, every former patient that I ever had that I told, mm. you know, your knee pain will probably go away if you lost some weight. Mm. The other apology was to uh, the people that I used to instruct in an exercise class. You know, I apologize for never being sensitive enough to the differences in our mobility and, and offering modifications quickly and not, you know, shaming you to like, you know, to helping you, shaming you instead of helping you to find a modification that worked for you because I was so intense. And so, you know, I was like a real serious, like go, go, go exercise instructor. And the last apology I did was to my mother who has passed away. And this was a tough one for me because my mom battled diabetes. She did battle drug addiction. Uh, she was a heavier woman in some regard. And I spent a lot of time really beating her up for not taking better care of her health. Mm. You know, did she make some bad decisions? Of course, she's a human, you know, she raised six children and she had some vices, right? But I spent many, many years telling her she needed to do better and, you know, trying to get her to work out and move and something that, you know, could be healthy and good, right? And increasing your movement and your activity, you know, considering your nutrition, it was a very toxic way of doing it. And I thought that I was helping her. So sitting in that shame, I mean, it makes me want to cry again because you do have to go there and you do have to sit there and you do have to unravel all of that emotion. And for me, there was a lot. People who knew me 10, 10 years ago saw me in a different light. I was the health advocate, the runner, the exercise instructor, the don't do this and don't do that. And, you know, and coming to terms with that being my platform for so many years and 
all the people I impacted in my, my span of time during that super hard, like the worst part of this process, to be quite honest, but also the most impactful because it made me really be accountable. And then it allowed me to give some empathy to people that are still there because I know what it feels like. I know why you're there and I, I, just, I get it. I totally get it. So I'm really glad you brought that up. I, I love this part of the dialogue right now because I feel like it's so hard for people to look in the mirror and say, oh, like, I don't, I was wrong. I did it the wrong way. Yeah. And just like you said, that shame and that guilt that you sit in, you have to go through that and you have to be willing to offer yourself compassion so you can offer others compassion. And then once you're able to do that, you're able to change your belief systems and your mental models so that you can actually move forward in a different way. And um, it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. I love your emphasis on unlearning because it's so easy to be like, we're going to learn and learn and learn. People get so, so focused on what they want to learn with their brains. And they don't ever take a moment to say, what is it that I currently believe that I, that's not serving me? That's not serving others. There you go. It's, it's hard to yep. do. It's hard to look at yourself in the mirror mm-hmm. and feel those things apart. So kudos. I mean, I, so, I agree. Anytime you go you. through an identity, anytime you open your mind to a new set of belief systems, you do have to shed mm-hmm. the old ones. And part of that process is shedding those parts. You're doing it because you're recognizing something isn't serving you. And usually mm-hmm. when something isn't serving you anymore, shame is associated with it. And so I think if we can offer ourselves radical acceptance in that process as well, that we all Mm -hmm. are just doing the best that we know how to do in this moment and giving ourselves a level of acceptance so that the acceptance can sort of bathe the shame a little bit. It's a necessary process for the growth. We don't, we don't really get out of that. I don't think, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I feel like I actually felt like I realized that when I've had conversations with you about sexism and toxic weight loss culture, because I felt like Mm -hmm. this justice side of me that I really had to explain to you, you know, this very fit white man that like, you don't get it. And I started realizing Mm -hmm. that we weren't getting anywhere because my need to come at you with my, my argument, because I was right. I knew that you, you were part of this problem was clouding your ability to get vulnerable with me. Mm. And it was, the shame was taking over and then you would just go to defensiveness. So also as the Mm. person who is trying to create change, I have to also then be mindful of how I'm communicating it to the people who are still part of that system. So when I started having conversations with you and getting more more vulnerable and less (laughs) justice that's not a word, but... (laughs) Just a little (laughs) bit more like, listen to how this culture impacted me as a female. Listen to what I'm worried Mm -hmm. about for our two daughters. Hear my pain. Then your acceptance of my pain outweighed your shame. And then it brought down Mm -hmm. the defensives. And then we could have a meaningful conversation. It didn't become you against me, female against male. It became you going, oh my God, I'm so sorry that I was participating in that. Yeah. It's very complicated. I love that. It's very messy, but yeah. it's necessary. These are the things that we have to address if we're all going to come together. This is not against you against me, right? This is yeah. how do we offer each other acceptance in the cycles and the culture that we participated in so that we can come together and create a new way. Yeah. It's- I love that. That's like not fighting fire with fire, right? That's right. like right. recognizing that water, you know, might actually get the fire out as opposed to just more fire. And I agree because diet culture is 
it is very shameful that they, a lot of the, the impetus for continuing in the cycle of diet culture is very shame-based. You ate that. Now you have to do this. Oh, you were off your points today. So when we try to come and teach people the anti-diet perspective, the health at every size perspective, the other side of it, we can't come in with shame, 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 because they're already getting that. And I just don't think that's an effective way to move forward in anything in life. I don't think shame propels you to anything great personally. So, yeah, I think that's what keeps you stuck, right? If we feel too yeah. much shame in our belief systems, then we protect our belief systems, like you said already. And if we protect our belief systems yeah. that keep us trapped, we're just locking ourselves in our own jail cell. So, and that's like one right. of the foundational things that I hope to have at We Shape when people join our community is radical acceptance. Acceptance so, for mm -hmm. where we are today, acceptance for the cycle we participated in, acceptance for the journey that we're going to go on to unwind those things, acceptance for our body. And one of the things that I love that you talk about, um, Mina and I talk about this sometimes, is the idea around body neutrality and acceptance versus yeah. body positivity. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit about that? Because I think this is really important. Yeah, that, and you know, body positivity, you know, for everything that it's worth, it's a wonderful movement. And it was originally started by fat activists. It was not so much about everybody just accepting their body, which is important, but it was really about um, people understanding that there's nothing wrong with being in a large body and being more positive about that. But you know, like everything that comes in with great intentions, diet culture or something takes it over. And so it's been very watered down and it has turned into this um, almost toxic positivity, if you will. And it's also turned into, you know, people who did not start the movement kind of taking claim to the movement and, and just watering it down and, and very much not making it as effective. So, you know, as much as I believe in having a positive body image, I really prefer to start most people with neutrality. And I think that's a great place to start or stay, you know, there's no shame in staying there. Um, but it's really about respecting it's more about respecting your body than like loving your body. I know, I don't know about you all, but I don't wake up every morning and look in the mirror and be like, Ooh, girl, you are just, I love, it. I don't do that every day. Like I have my off days. I have, I have my high days and my low days, but what I don't want for people to lose is that respect, you know? So body neutrality is about respecting your body and valuing it and appreciating it more so for what it does for you versus what it looks like. Okay. So taking the vanity out of it, taking the, the, the need to fit in, it's more so I tell people all the time, like if you've been alive the last few years, you made it through a global pandemic. Can you not thank your body for that? Like, <laughs> how can you not be grateful to it? And it's not even as some people will go as far as to say body neutrality is about what your body can do. And not so much. You might be in a very uh, disabled body. You might be a body that does not do as much, but you can still have neutral and and respectful feelings about your body and just appreciating it wherever it is like you said along the journey you know we are our, our abilities are going to change over the course of our lives if we live long enough right might get injured some things will change due to aging but we can still appreciate and respect our bodies for carrying us and for doing the things that we have been able to do up until this point so i i shift a lot of my focus to neutrality when i'm working with clients because sometimes positivity seems really far off <laughs> and really unlikely or in the space you're in it might just seem really toxic for you to just pretend you love everything about yourself so Let's just make it neutral. <laughs> we want to get away from body negativity and just get to neutral. I, I love that. I love the baby step approach to that because like you said, most people can't make the leap from 
um, yeah. looking at themselves in the mirror and just judging themselves constantly to looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, mm-hmm. oh, I love every part of my body. And we, we use appreciation <laughs> a lot in our community because mm-hmm. I think if you can really sit into that and go like, oh, I woke up this morning. Oh, I, I breathed all night last night, right? Like people go to bed and don't wake up in the morning, right? So just that small, subtle amount of appreciation for what your body's done for you so far can take people a long way. Yeah. But I want to also say, I love what you said about respect. I don't think we've said respect mm-hmm. enough um, to our community and 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 on this podcast, because when you when you really appreciate yourself, you tend to respect yourself. And when you make decisions from that place, yes. you make decisions to support that thing that carries you around your body for the rest of your life. So that's that's a beautiful thing as well. Thanks. For I mean, we that. talk we talk a lot Thank at WeShape about this common behavior that people will join a, a, a workout product and then use it for a month and then not use it. And I have a hypothesis that part of that reason of curiosity, if that's because we're don't maybe have alignment in our intention, right? When we are Mm. showing up to do something based on a projection of a societal expectation, like body image or weight or pant size or this or that, that doesn't take us very far. It's like kind of what you said. I like this word respect, right? It's kind of like when you really respect somebody, you uh, mm-hmm. act so differently than when you're acting from a place of like self-hatred, right? If you don't yes. like something about yourself and you're trying to change it versus if you respect something about yourself and you're trying to care for it, completely mm-hmm. different intentions. And I would argue completely different outcomes. So it's not surprising 100%. to me that this is our cycle, right? Because yeah. Yeah. oftentimes historically have been all of us, many of us, subject to this culture and this culture is is pointing us in the direction of do that workout product for this and so it's not surprising mm-hmm. at all that we do it for a couple of months we're not doing it out of respect for self we're doing it out of yeah. hoping that we will find fulfillment and validation and worth from somebody else yeah i was gonna say don't sugarcoat it because i think okay. at the end of the day when we do something you know that's rooted in this toxic weight loss culture um out of self-judgment it's this desire to yeah. seek outside of ourselves for love and appreciation and like one of my favorite mm-hmm. things to do when we're hosting live calls, we're, we're running a challenge right now. We call it a challenge. It's not really a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's really just show up and start learning these kind of principles and concepts while you're working out and taking care of yourself. But my favorite thing yeah. to do is listen to somebody talk about, um, well, and I'm, I'm on the way and I'm on the way and I'm on the way. And I just have to pause everybody. And I just get, I get to look at them in the eyes and say, you don't have to do anything to feel loved mm-hmm. and appreciated, right? You deserve that yep. right now. And it's so hard for people to do that. Why is it so hard for people to just love and appreciate themselves? You know, because we live in a world that has us believing we are constant projects to be fixed. And Mm. it's, it's the negative back end of like wanting to be better, right? Showing up as your best self. Like there's, there's always a good intention, but it's, it makes us think that there's constantly something wrong. We're striving for this perfection that does not exist, never has. And because of it, people can't see their progress. And to your point about the cycle, you know, with the dieting, when we're motivated by body size, let's just be very clear. And this is why, you know, I don't argue as much with people, but I will argue with like the perpetrators of diet culture sometimes because these marketers are smart They are geniuses, okay? The commercials for the diets, what do they show you? They show you a person in a large body, sad, down, depressed, not living their best life. 
and they show the disappearance of fat. And now this person is happy. They're in love. They're successful. And we literally internalize that and believe that if I can just get this weight off, I can live my best life. And that's why my whole focus is helping people understand you can live your best life in whatever body you have today. The changes that people make to achieve success, to find love, to find fulfillment, to be happy are all internal. It has nothing to do with the body. It has nothing to do with that protein shake, has nothing to do with the workout. I mean, yeah, you get some good endorphins from it or whatnot, but it's, those are not the primary catalysts for change. It's all within. And so it infuriates me when I see people believing and falling into the trap that if I just lose this weight, I will feel so much better. If I just lose this weight, I can get that job. So yeah, I spend a lot of time encouraging people like, it's not the weight, honey. It's it's here. It's here. We just have to work on that. Once you get to that space, whatever your body does as a result, you can be at peace with because you're living the life that you want to live now. Mm. I love that. And, you know, I don't right know there. how much you it. know <laughs> about our story, Dr. Folden, but Tyler and I used to run. Uh, very, me, I'll just let me. Can I just come out? I spent the better part of a decade and a half perpetuating this cycle, and I wasn't someone who was um, fit as a kid. I was overweight, so I was mm-hmm. kind of you know told mm-hmm. you're fat and shamed, and felt really mm-hmm. you know bad about that. And lucky for me, I had a big enough chip on my shoulder of insecurity that it swung me the other direction. And then everybody praises it. That's the hardest part about this. I think that people don't realize yeah. is when you start to quote unquote, succeed in it, you get praised. And that makes you want to perpetuate the cycle even more until you have a couple of daughters and you start realizing, oh, crap, am I going to keep pushing this agenda that makes people feel crappy about themselves as a method for getting them to take action towards change? And it's difficult, Mm -hmm. like I said, to look in the mirror and feel the shame and feel the guilt and make a different decision. But it was such an important decision in my life. And I'm, I'm grateful for Katie for putting this in front of my eyes and for my little girls for just letting me see it in front of my eyes and just being able to say, whoa, we got to do this a different way. And I, I love what you said about yeah. these marketers because I was one of those marketers. And um, you know, I think about our old testimonial footage was all about that, about changing your body. And I think about the, the yeah. footage that we have now. And it's like, I love myself finally for the first time. I feel so good in my body. I appreciate myself. And it's like, such a beautiful thing. Nothing actually changed for the most part, except for, like you said, in right. their mind, right? In their mind, in their heart. Yep. So so I just have to say two things. Yeah. One is that shame could have gotten in the way and we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah. So I appreciate you acknowledging that that um, approach wasn't going to serve the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, uh, I just want to share with everybody, uh, I've seen thousands of people, more than thousands of people, buy our products and still feel like shit. Mm -hmm. So um, in the past. And so you don't have to waste your achieving the outcome. Uh, Yes. After achieving the outcome they were after. So, you know, that was part of the reason I kept going. I'm selling this. This is supposed to be doing good. I'm not seeing the good. I'm selling this. This Mm. is supposed to be doing good. I'm not seeing the good. And after years of that, I just went, the approach is wrong. <laughs> we have to look at this. Right. This is not the outcome I was hoping for. But from the outside in, everyone was like, look at you. 
you've built a successful Mm -hmm. fitness company. You have everything you want in your life. You're this, you're that. And I was like, I feel dead inside. (laughs) Like it's, it's, it's not serving me. (laughs) This is actually crushing my soul because I don't really feel like I'm helping people. I'm helping people for like two weeks and it's like a fake fulfillment. And so, um, but I, I do have a lot of gratitude, uh, for all of the incredible, challenging times that you and I personally had to go through to get to the space we are today. Um, I have a ton of gratitude for the team that we have here because I was, it was, it was rocky to go from what we were doing to a completely different mission with the unknown. It wasn't, the team was on board. The minute I came in, they were like, let's do it. But it was, it's such an unknown territory. We're still in the unknown, but I think it's just important to recognize and share with the people who are listening that all of us here on this call have had a significant amount of experience with that way. And what we're telling yeah. you is that that way is not going to give you what you think it's going to give you. Oh God, that's so important. It's, it's I just have to echo this because like, I am, I am not preyed upon as much as you guys are in this, even though I still felt the effects of it, but like yeah. it is pervasive in our society. And earlier you said something powerful. You said it runs deeper than just diet and body image. It runs into capitalism mm-hmm. and, and all these other things as well. And like, it's mm-hmm. just like we chase so much outside of ourselves to feel valued, to feel loved. Mm-hmm. And I have chased it all. Yep. Sex, drugs, yep. rock and roll, fame, money, achievement, <laughs> you know, body. All image. of it. And it doesn't work. It's never going to get you anywhere. You have to go inside and figure out how to handle that from within. So I do have videos of Tyler though in the rock star era. If anyone wants to see (laughs) those, oh, that'd be great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I just appreciate you bringing that up because I do think that the truth has to be exposed, right? Yeah. And the truth is, is that those are not the ways to fulfillment. So I love that you start with everything on the inside and the neutrality approach, because I think it's a phenomenal starting spot in terms of like, okay, I'm going to pause here and I'm going to start the unwinding of the messiness. Exactly. And can I just add, you know, this has been a very um, emotional journey for me. And I think most people that take this role, they like the sitting in the shame and the learning, it can be very emotional. But, you know, for those of us that are just more, you know, uh, more straightforward in our approaches and, and don't want to eat up the, the emotional piece of it. This is, there's like statistics, there's research. So this isn't based on like, Oh, I just feel much better this way. (laughs) It's like, there's like real research and data to prove one that diets don't work. I'm talking a 97 and percent and up like fail rate. Okay. Nothing in science is considered successful if it fails at a rate of 97%. Okay. Um, there's statistics and information to show, just like you said, when you get the weight loss, um, it's not the life you dreamed of, uh, the suicide rate for people following like a weight loss surgery goes up at least 30%. Oh my God. So it's not, it's not just the feelings on the inside and this mindset shift. There's like, like documented data and it's research, you know, Spoiler alert, research that's not supported by the diet industry because they're not paying into it to get the numbers and results they want. But it shows that these 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 tools, these practices, these methods we've used for decades now are ineffective and not just ineffective at losing the weight um, and giving us the life of our dreams, but harmful, harmful to our bodies physically, to our self-esteem, to our emotional 
everything. So it's not, I just, I like people to know that it's, it's more than just like, Oh, that's not bad. It doesn't make you feel good about yourself. Blah, blah, blah. There's like, real reason to not engage in toxic diet culture outside of how it makes you feel on the inside. I feel like there's a dark night of the soul moment there to some extent though, you know, where like you're, you're, you're kind of examining these beliefs or maybe you're pursuing them still. And as if you have so much space between where you're at and where you think you want to go, there's a lot of hope, mm-hmm. right? That that is going to yeah. bring you happiness as you get closer mm-hmm. to where you think you wanted to be, or you hit it or you go beyond it that hope a little bit disappears and you have this moment mm-hmm. going like, what was the point of all this in the first place? What, what am I doing it for? What am I doing this for? Why am I propagating this? Yep. Why am I doing this on myself? And it, it takes a lot of courage to go down that road and say, oh, wait, it was all wrong, right? And what I really need to do wrong. is appreciate myself and respect myself regardless of anything outside of myself, right? And anyway, yep. I just wanted to mention that I think that with people with so much distance between where they're at and where they think they want to go, there's that hope there, mm-hmm. but like, just, yeah, it, it doesn't matter how close you get You're ne- It's never going to work. I just, I want to, I want people to really hear that it will not work. And sometimes like yeah. for me, it's the carrot, it's the carrot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I had told myself yeah. that though, some people just need to see it. Right. I would have told my, my, mm-hmm. my younger, my younger self would have told my older self, like, screw you, dude, I'm still doing it. Shut you up. Know? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> right. sometimes you got to just do it. Right. But, um, I don't know. I just think it's important for people to understand that. Well, one of the things I was really hoping to do today, and forgive me, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I, and you can say, I want to come back to that if if that feels better for you, Dr. Folden, but here we are, um, we're talking to somebody, I, I, you know, we are relatively new in this space, right? I I know I have this mission. Mm -hmm. I know that this way is the way that can really support and help people in their journey. But I also want to feel like I have an opportunity to continuously get educated myself. So we're, mm-hmm. we're here on the We Shape podcast. You're an, you know, you're incredible. You're doing incredible work. I've, I've watched a lot of your social media and and your content. And I just would love to know, like, you're on this platform with us today. Is there something that is really burning in your in your mind or in your heart that you're like, I would love to be able to share this concept, this idea, this this notion, this belief? Is there something that you just you're a message that you would like to send to all the people who are, are listening to this podcast. That's a great question. Um, a lot of it, I mean, I feel like a lot of it we have covered, but I think one of the biggest things that I see when I'm working with my clients is this, this again, the false belief that <laughs> this change in my body is going to change my whole, whole life, but also um, just this feeling of like never being enough. It's like, we're never ever there. Even in my personal story, I'll just share briefly, um, that really spurred me away from diet culture after I had my third child, um, you know, three whole miracles, right. (laughs) Worried about my body. But after I had my third child, um, I nursed him. And then when he was done nursing about 15 months, I started gaining weight and I literally went bananas. I was like, Oh my gosh, I was in the process uh, process of creating a weight loss program <laughs> and I was going to record videos. And I'm like, no, one's going to take me seriously. My body is my business card. Right. So I went hard. I joined a very popular diet culture platform and I started working out seven days a week. I started eating all of my food from small containers. And within about four or five months, I lost about 20 pounds. I had my stomach kind of flat again, you know, which is a lot for moms. And I was getting all the compliments and all of the accolades. I was literally being praised 
for this change. And uh, a few months in, I was like, okay, this is a little bit exhausting. Working out every day is pushing it, right? Seven days a week is pushing it. So I decreased my workouts five days a week and I stopped eating from the containers, but just started kind of eating from a small plate and just being mindful, right? And watching my portions. And within three months, I gained back every pound I lost plus five more. Hmm. I was defeated. I was depleted. I was disappointed. I didn't understand how I could work so hard and not just give up, right? Because I would have accepted that if I just gave up and walked away and stopped, you know, exercising because that's what you expect. But I didn't stop. I kept up a pretty strenuous workout schedule for a wife, a mother of three and a business owner, (laughs) you know, but I was, I was still not able to achieve the goal. And that's, that's what sent me. That's how I stumbled upon health at every size in this, in this whole process. And it made me shift my entire thinking. But the problem is so many of us view ourselves as a continuous project that we have to keep working on being better, different, striving for perfection. Like you said, I'm on my way. And it's like, I just like to tell people you're enough. Like you're already good enough. You already, you're already smart enough. Anything that you do extra is just extra. (laughs) Like Mm. you are already a whole person. You're already a good person. Anybody who's working on self-improvement, most of them, you know, have a desire for, you know, to be better, to make the world better. You're already better. And there's nothing wrong with adding to that. But when we get to the point, I'm a recovering perfectionist. When we get to the point of like, this is constant. It's the same as the diet cycle. It's constant. It's just like me working out every single day, seven days a week, you know, for six months, it can be passionate. It can be, Oh, great discipline. But really, if it's not serving you, I look back at pictures of myself then, and I've always had kind of dark circles under my eyes. Thank you, genetics, but they were sunken in and they were deep. And my smile was not as bright, but my waist was this big. Right. And so the shift in the importance and the focus from what I looked like on the outside, what I projected, what people saw and praised me for, because I like being affirmed. Right. It it didn't even match up with what I was feeling on the inside. Mm -hmm. So I think if we can get people to understand that you're already enough and everything else is just extra, it's just an add on, just a benefit, just a perk that you're never not enough. You don't have to do this. You don't have to work out every single day. You don't have to be on this particular workout platform. You you, you can miss your three servings of vegetables sometimes. You, know, you don't have to be this perfect vision of health or what people perceive as health to be a good and valuable and worthy and awesome person. So that's probably my biggest message to everybody, all my clients, all my friends, my children. I have two daughters and a son. Um, I want people to know that like all this stuff you're doing is beautiful. It's great. I love the higher degrees, the trainings, the educations, the class, but you're, you're already enough. You're already enough. Uh, it's so important. So. Can I share just a quick story mm-hmm. from years ago? Mm-hmm. So I, I did this meditation like five years ago and it was kind of designed to remove these conscious blocks and then give you kind of a message from that deep subconscious mind. Right. And so, you know, the mm. visualization at the end of this meditation is you open this treasure chest and inside this, is this envelope. And you open this envelope and you pull it out. What does it say? And I read the front of it and it says, become better. And at this point in my life, I'm like, I'm like pushing so hard through insecurity, right? Just to do everything Mm -hmm. and everything. And I just felt so like, oh, like I got like the wind knocked out of me when I read become better. But then I flipped it over and said, you are enough on the backside of the paper. Mm. And 
I realized in that moment, like what a beautiful dichotomy to be able to hold is not trying to become better because we feel incomplete or insecure, but becoming better yes. from a place of already feeling like we're enough right now. And that's like my, my, my mm -hmm. litmus test for when I'm doing something. Am I doing this because I'm trying to receive something from outside of myself? Or am I doing this from mm -hmm. a place of, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this. This is my purpose. I'm mm -hmm. enough. I'm here right now. And it's such a subtle distinction, but it can transform yeah. your decisions in your life really dramatically. I love that. That is awesome. Love that. I've been laughing lately when people join We Shape. I'm like, surprise! It's not just a workout. <laughs> it's not just a workout. Yeah. Oh it never was. And it never what did I get myself me. into? Yeah. <laughs> I love well, it. Dr. Bolin, I, love it. I am. Do you want to say something, Nina? I have a really quick question, and this is a question that I, just, too, yeah. I look at you. As, I look at you as such an inspiration, and you are a wealth of knowledge. And oh, I personally you. am on like an intuitive eating journey, right? And mm -hmm. swings, like, like when I first was like, I'm not going to diet anymore. This is like not working, right? I've gained more back every time than I've lost, whatever. Um, because I do believe the diets don't work today. Like my body yeah. is going to want to be how she is. Like that's yeah. okay. Um, and I realized something, which is that like, I am having a really hard time trusting myself. Mm -hmm. And like, I imagine that that has happened with some of your clientele. And I'm like, how do you kind of help someone? Like, I think, especially as someone who identifies as female, like yeah. trusting yourself, such a hard part of this process. Cause it's like it the outside world telling you diet culture is the way you got to do this. You got to do that. You're like, okay, that's the information. They're the experts. And like, mm -hmm. where how do people kind of cultivate that? And I know we are kind of coming up on time here. So I'm sorry for this big question at the You're end. Fine. We have some time. We can no. curious about. Yeah, we're good. So Yes. And I, I've experienced that personally when I was starting my intuitive eating journey. And the ch most challenging part was watching myself gain weight while being an intuitive eater. I was like, Oh, this is not what's going to happen. <laughs> but the book is clear. You will probably gain some weight and maybe it'll settle. Maybe it won't. But yes, that process is really hard. And it's because we have never been told to trust ourselves the diet we've been used to eating according to a clock or a calendar or a program, like someone else tells us what to do. So tuning back in and getting in touch with yourself. And it literally goes back to what we just talked about, recognizing that you are enough. Like we, we can't exist on an Island, right? We need other people. We need support. We don't have to do things alone, but we have the intuition and the knowledge and the wisdom inside of ourselves to do most of the things that we need to do. And once we remember that, realize that and learn to tap back into that, I mean, our opportunities are limitless. So it's, it's a practice, right? You don't get it right. The first day I did not trust myself to make good decisions. The first two weeks of intuitive eating, I was just having quite a bit of dessert. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I haven't allowed myself to have cookies. I'm about to have cookies. Every and it wasn't even conscious. It was like, oh, that cookie was good. Let me get another one. Yeah. But it's because I was still in the mindset of like feast or famine, right? Eventually, I'm not going to be able to have these. But that's not true. So it, it has to normalize. It takes time. It's not a one day process. But you go through it. And, and what you do is you remove the judgment. That's the, the key with intuitive eating. You're going to have days where you undereat, overeat don't, you know, have as many vegetables, remove the judgment and look at all of us. I tell my, I just told a patient before I got on the call with you, this is just neutral data. We're collecting data. We are not, this is not right or wrong, good or bad, gold star or demerits. It's literally just data. 
I ate like 16 cookies this week. Hmm, that might've been too much. Okay. How'd my body feel? You know, you just go with the flow and take it as data points so that you can use it as you move through the process. But the, the process of trust, it's going to take stepping out on faith, letting go, turning inward and just giving yourself some grace and some compassion because you're going to do crazy stuff. I definitely overate many times <laughs> and I still sometimes do, you know, getting really excited about a meal in front of me. But the difference now is I don't pass judgment on myself for it. You know, I'm certainly not participating in disordered, you know, eating behaviors anymore. And I'm not doing an extra 30 minutes on the treadmill to make up for it anymore. I'm just accepting that. Oh yeah. I went a little hard that day. Maybe I didn't feel great or maybe I just didn't need that much. And it's, it's a data point for next time. That's it. That is so helpful. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. You said something really powerful. Are we good on time? Yeah. I think we're yeah. okay. How, okay, cool. how are you? I just want to make sure that Dr. Bolden's got time. Okay. So, yes. You, you said I'm something good. powerful there. You said um, like connecting with yourself. And I think mm -hmm. that so much of our society is taught to, like you said, look outside of ourselves for advice, for the next thing, for telling us what to do. And we miss the opportunity to connect with ourselves and start making decisions from that place. And a lot mm -hmm. of what we do at WeShape is, you know, we we teach people movement. I hate the word exercise. I, I love the word movement yeah. because what I really want is Me people too. to connect with their bodies, feel what it's like mm -hmm. to move their bodies the way it's supposed to, so that all of a sudden they start feeling better in, in their bodies. And then coming to their workouts mm -hmm. from that place, self-care, right? Rather than self-judgment. Yep. And I'm curious, as yes. someone who's a, a, who owns a physical therapy practice, I'm sure you see so many people come in who have, you know, mm -hmm. just aches, pains, injuries, postural deficiencies, et cetera. So how do you approach getting them to, I guess, appreciate themselves enough and respect their bodies enough to want to show up for themselves in that physical capacity? Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it can be challenging, uh, for a lot of people. Cause you're right. We, we live outside of our bodies. The funny thing is when I ask someone about their symptoms or their pain, do you know how hard it is for them to answer sometimes because they're not even tuned in or they'd be like, Oh yeah, I guess it was hurting, <laughs> you know, because we're, you know, we're doing all the things right. And we're, and we're not always, you know, being very embodied and really feeling what's happening. Um, so it's, it's, again, it's a process of, of relearning and reconnecting. So going through the motions, when I assign clients exercises, like I do them with them and I'm literally asking feedback, like, what does that feel like? Did that hurt? Is this side different than that side? So it's getting information. It's more data. It's more knowledge for you to know, like, oh, I didn't even realize I can, I can bend to my right side easily. But when I go to my left, it's really painful and I can't go as far. So we're taking this information and creating, you know, a treatment plan, if you will, like, okay, so we have limited flexibility here. Why is that? Where do you feel the pain? Let's, you know, so it gives them when we create this, uh, it's a very collaborative process. So when you're participating in the process, you're going within, you're listening to yourself. And I'm there prompting you to ask these questions of yourself and your body. Then this becomes our project. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to check in with the doctor or the therapist and see. It's like now you're invested. <laughs> so now I know something's bothering me. I know something's wrong. I know something's not functioning how I want it to. So have this plan that we created and it's worked around my preferences and my needs. And so now I'm a co-contributor and this is something we're doing together. And so that I find that helps people show up for themselves and be committed to the process. You know, anything that is mundane, you know, physical therapy can be boring. I know I shouldn't say that, but it could be boring. You know, some of the exercises can get redundant, 
But I try to give my clients a lot of autonomy in their programs. Literally before I got on the call with you, I was with a virtual client and that's what we were talking through. I went through every exercise on her home program and was like, let's try this. How does this feel? What do you think about when you do this? And some of them, it was related to diet culture. Like this really like makes me feel triggered. <laughs> like, I don't even like doing this because I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. And so, all right, let's shift it. Let's try this instead. So it's that problem solving and helping people feel like, you know, because they are, they are a co-contributor to their whole treatment plan and their whole fitness plan. And, and I'm just here to kind of guide and assist and support and fill in the gaps because a lot of it is already within. We just, we don't listen to ourselves. So, so yeah, that's, that's typically how it works. This is the, the main reason when we were um, starting We Shape, we were on this journey, we were giving people workouts that were rooted in biomechanics and movement and not like burning mm -hmm. calories and all of that stuff. But I was like, we can't do this without community because it yeah. is that co-collaboration of coming together and saying, you know, because I feel like if people join WeShape and then they don't do a workout, then they don't do the other workout. And then they're like, oh, I just failed. I'm not going to do it. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's okay that you didn't do that. We're not here to shame that. So I love that you yep. say that kind of co-collaboration because that was pretty much the reason I was like, we have to have a community here so that we can get on calls mm -hmm. with each other weekly or daily and just like connect with one another in this space because it does mm -hmm. take support to break down these, yeah. these layers. It does take support to dig within and say, why was I doing that? And why, why do I want to do it this way instead? And so I really mm -hmm. appreciate you bringing up that, that idea of co-collaboration. It's okay to lean on other people. It's okay to have support and not have it all figured out. Like it's, I know, Absolutely. I know society says that's not okay, <laughs> I hope that we can give people permission today to acknowledge that that's absolutely to be to be valued and to be celebrated. I love how you brought awareness. Yes. You bring awareness, right? Because I think that's one mm -hmm. thing I've noticed as someone who's worked with a lot of clients as well is how few people are really just aware of how their body even feels. Like they don't take right. a moment to be like you, like you said, like oh, this way feels fine and this way hurts or or something to mm -hmm. that degree. And I think that that's the the beginning step is just like highlighting that awareness of like where like a do you even feel your body and once you're right. doing it like what comes up for you that's another thing you said that was really beautiful mm -hmm. is what comes up for you like a great example is one of the movements that we teach basically everybody who comes in is is core stability so we call it the elevator mm -hmm. it's, you know it's brace breathing you know etc yeah. and um a lot of people don't like doing that because it involves yeah. pushing your belly out and when you push your yes. belly out, you feel your waistband against your belly. And when you feel your waistband against your belly, you're attached that to this feeling or this notion of, of you know, not looking attractive. And then you start not mm. wanting to do the movement properly because mm. of these belief systems, not because of anything other than that. There's that sneaky diet culture. There's that sneaky <laughs> diet culture sneaking its way in. In the jeans so that I feel valuable. Yeah. But yeah, oh, wow. no, I, I, I get it. Yeah. 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 Well, Dr. Folden, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you today. This is a very valuable episode that I hope our community can listen to. And where can people find you? Because if you're not following Dr. Folden on social media, you are absolutely missing out. So where can people find you? Thank you so much. So I'm on all of the social medias, but I live on Instagram. So you can follow me at healthy fit and fit. It's spelled P H I T. Uh, you can also go to my website, www.healthyfit.com. Um, I'm really responsive to Instagram. So um, meet me there. I'm also um, one of the experts on the undiet app. 
um, through the Body Love Society. And there's a wealth of knowledge and information there of other health and wellness practitioners who practice from an anti-diet um, and an intuitive space as opposed to, you know, what you normally get. So you can find me in all those places. Wonderful. Well, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for joining us today and for having, you know, such a meaningful dialogue. And we hope to have you again on the We Shape podcast. And, and thank you for sharing those apologies you mentioned. I really thought oh, that that was one of the time. most beautiful things in this conversation because that gives other people permission to sit in that shame and that guilt and just say, I'm sorry, and give themselves a little grace, I'm and sorry. which is so important. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I love what you're doing as well. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Folden. Take care. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.